August 7th, 2018, and this is another edition of the Bruins Beat here on CLNS Media, and I'm Jimmy Murphy. Well, this offseason is just uh, motoring along here. We're into uh, August now here on the Bruins Beat, and I know in the last few weeks we've been kind of touring around the Atlantic Division and seeing what the other teams that the Bruins will see the most are up to, and you know, who's got the upper hand as the uh, 2018-19 season approaches. But, you know, the, the, the player transaction news kind of died down a bit, and it hasn't really been that active for the Bruins as they've missed out on a few guys. But So they were kind of dormant in the news cycle. And then last week, some great news out of Causeway Street Breaks as we, uh, we, the media here, got a good email, and I was so happy to see it, and that's that, Rick Middleton's number 16 will be raised to the rafters this season, and I believe it's on November 29th. And uh, the man himself is joining me right now. Nifty, how you doing? Great, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good, and that's, that's November 29th, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, they're playing the New York Islanders that night. And, nice. uh, you know, it's, it's going to come quick, I think. Uh, I haven't even started working on my speech, so I better start soon. <laughs> Hey, you know what my, my, my late dad always said, and uh, he, he put it well when I became a writer. He said, try to keep your stories like, like a good woman's dress. And I said, what, what are you talking? He said, long enough to cover the subject and short enough to be interesting. So there you go. That's how you do it. <laughs> I'll take his advice. <laughs> Anyhow, it'll be great, Nifty. And first of all, we're so happy for you here at CLNS Media. And, you know, I, I've kind of – done some stories in the past and worked with the, there's a couple groups out there I'm sure you're aware of that are trying to get you in the hall of fame. Uh, and hopefully that's the, the next great call you get, but you know, let's enjoy this moment right now. And uh, what, you know, what was a call well, like? When I, you I, I definitely am Jim. I'm definitely, am. I'm not looking past it for sure. Yeah. yeah. What was the call like when you got it? You know, it, 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 it was a total surprise. I'm not just saying that. I'm, I'm you know, uh, it's not like I haven't thought about it over the years, especially since nobody has been wearing 16 for about the last five years. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cam, you know, um, has called me in the past on alumni uh, issues or whatever. So when he called uh, in, in July, I, I didn't think anything of it. And we kept missing each other. Uh, playing a little phone tag and then I called him back and then he called me and then we we're just a little small talk about uh, the summer and golf and this and that and all of a sudden he just said uh, well we're, we're gonna retire your jersey this year <laughs> and he could have knocked me off the chair I'll tell you I was like what no lead-in no warning, no, not even a hint from anybody. And somebody must have known besides camp, but yeah, right. uh, I didn't get any, any setup. And so uh, actually, because it was such a shock, I, I actually got a little emotional. My wife came home about uh, five, 10 minutes after I hung up from camp and it was uh, all I could do is keep my excitement and yeah. my emotions in, in one place, you know? So, and I, and I'm still, uh, I'm still kind of in shock a little. Everybody's been so nice. The word's out there. With social media today, it, it gets out there so quickly. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's been great. Super. I, I just, I can't wait for the night, honest honest to God. It's, 
I, it's just just going to be a you know kind of like a closure to to my career. Yeah. Not that uh, not that it needed it, or I, I thought of it that way before, but now you know what a way to to kind of finalize it, you know. So yep. and for eternity, you know, long yeah. after I'm gone. Yeah. So and to be part part of that elite group of uh, not only uh, Boston Bruins players, but great people I played with five out of the 10 that are up, up there at one time or the other. And almost six, I uh, just missed playing with Bobby. Uh, the year I got here was the year he, he left. So um, yeah. I'm just very excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the first thing you hang up that phone, you said you're emotional. Was there a certain memory that went through? It was just like, was it a flood of memories that started pouring through? Uh, it was just my, my heart was beating so hard <laughs> from the, from the excitement. You know, I always prided myself when I played to kind of keep an even keel, uh, you know, yeah. emotion wise, not getting too high when scoring goals and not getting too low when we're losing or we lost, uh, which, which wasn't always easy when we lost to Montreal in the finals a couple of times, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i not really an emotional guy when it comes to that. But, you know, something like this, it, it surprised me. Um, and it's just kind of like everything kind of flashed in front of my eyes. I just started thinking of uh, of all, mainly about all the guys that I, that I played with over the years and how, you know, a lot of them are so responsible. They're all responsible in one way or the other for helping me get this honor and some, some more than others. So I. I just started thinking of all the, the great guys and teammates that I and coaches that I'd uh, I'd played with over the years, and I even uh, called my old uh, coach in Toronto, who's still alive in his 80s, and invited him like uh, the same day to come down here. Oh wow! And be a part of. Yeah. And what's his name? Uh, Frank Miller. Okay, and where did he Frank, coach you? Frank was. Uh, the the uh, they were called the uh, Toronto Young Nationals. There's still an organization in Toronto. I'm from uh, the east end of Toronto originally, uh-huh. and uh, from about the ages of 13 to 16, Bantam and Midget uh, for about four years there. And he really changed my skating around. He was a power skating nut, and I kind of had uh, weak ankles and. Uh, I had a knack at scoring, but I wasn't that big or strong, and he, he changed my skating around, obviously. So by the time I was 16, I got drafted by the Oshawa Generals in the in Junior A, and I got six full scholarship offers, and one of them was the BU. Oh, wow. That's so, ironic. Uh, yeah. 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 Probably 1969, I think, wow. right around there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so. Yeah, so Frank uh, had a lot to do in, in the beginning with my developing as a hockey player and, and going to our next level, you know. Oh, that's great. And it's, it's always good when you, you, you still can keep in touch with those mentors. I know I try to do the same in my business. And we were just talking about one of them there, Russ Conway off the air. And I'm sure he's, right, he's going right. to find his way to that night in November, I'm sure, uh, to be there. Oh, for I, I, I certainly hope so because, yeah. uh, you know, we are good friends, Russ and I. And, and uh, the fact that uh, he was, uh, you know, so responsible for helping all hockey players with uh, yeah. the Eagleson thing and and uh, pensions and, and everything like that. So I hope he can make it. For sure. Hey, so you, you got to the Bruins via a trade from the New York Rangers, one of, the, one of the most famous trades. It would go down as one of the most famous trades in Bruins history. And 
just talk about, you know, you come from a city like New York, you come to Boston, uh, you're playing now. And back then, they were rivals. I don't know if you really could call them that now, but they, there was a rivalry then. What was that like coming back on, on the other side of the rivalry there? Well, I saw it firsthand. Um, when I played, uh, in the, I was only two years in New York, but my first year, my rookie year, Derek Sanderson was on the team. Uh-huh. Derek and I became good friends. And Derek had come over from the WHA, but before that, uh, this was 1974. Only two years before that, the Bruins had played the Rangers for the Stanley Cup in 72. And then I got drafted in 73, spent a year in the, in the uh, Providence Ribs in the American League. And then, so it was only two years later. And I saw firsthand still some uh, of the, I don't want to use the word hatred, but it was pretty close that they, a lot of the guys on the Rangers really didn't like Derek for some of the antics that he had pulled in the series. And you're right, there was there was a great rivalry between the Rangers and the Bruins in those days. So, you know, by the next year when, uh, surprisingly, I mean, probably the most shocking trade in NHL history, that uh, Brad Park and Jean Rattel were oh, going yeah. to the Bruins, Phil Esposito and Carol Badney and, and Joe Zanussi, uh, you know, it, uh, it shocked the hockey world. And especially two organizations, it was almost like Montreal and Boston making a trade, which would never happen. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but but and so soon after they played for the cup, it was shocking. Uh, and then uh, I, you know, luckily I was being traded. Now you can get traded anywhere. It wasn't like they wanted to trade me for my own good. It's like uh, they had kind of had enough of me. Uh, and my, as I said, undisciplined way is off the ice. I was a young kid, very undisciplined. And I guess I, uh, hockey wise, I didn't pan out to be the first round pick they wanted. And from what I was told, Phil Esposito, one of, one of his old wingers from Boston after they had made that trade. So, uh, they just, and I think something else that played into it, Harry Sinden and John Ferguson, uh-huh. were coaches on the 72 Canada team against oh, yeah, Russia in the right. series yeah. of the century. Yeah. So they knew each other uh, from that, those years before. So I think a lot of uh, things played into it and uh, for me to end up in Boston. And nobody ever wants to get traded. You know, when, when I first got traded, I, I, I was like, oh, man, I always had dreams of, you know, original six team uh, New York Rangers winning the cup. Fifth Avenue, Ticket Day Parade, all that stuff. Yeah. But then I started thinking uh, we, we didn't. It's the only year I never made the playoffs in my career in 1975. Rangers were a team in transition. I got rid of Emil Francis, their coach and GM for years. Eddie Jockerman, their great goalie, and and a lot and obviously Park Rattel. They were a team in transition, and I was going to a team uh, from a team that didn't make the playoffs to a perennial Stanley Cup contender with a guy by the name of Bobby Orr and, uh, and, and Brad Park uh, now on their team. And I'm thinking, geez, this might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so when I, got, when I got traded in May of 75, Bobby was still on the team. And when I got to training camp in September, he was gone, unfortunately. Ah. One, of my, one of my biggest regrets. But went to the finals two years in a row, my first two years in Boston. And then the too many men on the ice the third year with Montreal. So you can't really – go from one end of the spectrum to the other and any more than I did. Those yeah, three, I guess four so. Years. 
I guess so. You guys, like you said, you were a perennial contender for so many years that you were here in Boston. Um, I'm guessing the, the Montreal one, the too many men, uh, stands out the most as being that close. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, obviously emotionally the toughest game I played in over a thousand, and um, you know, physically it was, it was tough too. I mean. Montreal, they're not, not necessarily beat you up physically, but they skate you to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just just because, you know, that was the seventh game of an already t- tough series. We had already played them two years before in the finals. We just knew we could beat them that year, and we owned them in the second period. And we, we went into the third period with a 3-1 lead. Uh, we, just, we just had the confidence we could beat them. Yeah. That's why it was so disappointing. And then I scored with four minutes to go. Uh, they had tied it up 3-3, three, three, uh, as you remember. And I scored with four minutes to go, and we thought we had them again. And, yeah. uh, and then the roof fell in. But. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire. Back to Lafleur. Oh! Yeah, it was... Uh, even though it was, you know, such a bitter memory, uh, at least I have the memory. You know, exactly. a lot of a, a lot of guys never even never even get to the finals and never even get to a game seven. And uh, God, I, that was the third year in a row that we played for the basically for the cup. We would have played the Rangers also yep. if we had a won that game, which I was really looking forward. That to. would be cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. listen. I mean, now we'll 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 get a little more into. I I probably started. My grandfather. I grew up in Arlington, Mass, and my grandfather had yeah. tickets. So you know, he he would go to. He saw plenty of your games there. He had them, I think, from '69 to '95. And uh, right. So you know, one of my biggest memories as a kid growing up going to games, of course, was probably I'm guessing one of your sweetest memories too, and and, and almost like a cup in itself was when you guys finally broke that curse against the Canadians in 88. I mean, you know, take, us, yeah. take us back to that because that's, that team, they were a good team, Rick, right? But they, but still, it kind, of, it kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Uh, yeah, they were, they were a good team. They, they weren't a great team like the, uh, like the 70s. Canadians. Exactly. I mean, there weren't, there weren't many teams like them. I mean, in 1978, they only lost eight games, one at home. I mean, you know, you, you're not ever going to see that again. But in 88, uh, one of the big things that ha- – well, a couple of big things happened. Uh, for our team, Janney and Joyce came over to the team in February. Yeah. Uh, Craig Janney and Bob yeah. Joyce and really gave us another scoring line that, that, that really uh, propelled us into uh, – as far as we went, into the finals that year. And uh, – in, in the series against Montreal in game two, uh, Michael Telvin had slashed um, Stefan Richet and broke his wrist. Now, Stefan was kind of like the Guy Lafleur of Montreal at that time. He was a, he was a, a big, uh, strapping winger that could score goals. And I think uh, uh, for sure them losing Richet really hurt their goal production and power play production and uh, really helped us uh, go on to, to beat them. Not only uh, in my uh, uh, era of playing against them, but for 45 years, the Bruins had never beat Montreal in a playoff series, exactly. believe it or not. You know, and, and you uh, so many two times. years they won the cup, they didn't have to play Montreal. That's right. No. Yeah. 
That's true. And then they didn't, uh, and of course, so, they played it the that year. That was my Stanley Cup. That was yeah. like my Stanley Cup. It was, too. <laughs> I never got to see it as a, as a player, but boy, it's sweet as a broadcaster. Six seconds left. Carboneau just holds it. He says, I concede. And Greg Johnston up from the main Mariners played a game and the salute to Lemlin. You never saw four better games than Reggie Lemlin turned in in the Nets for Boston. The Bruins wrap it up with four straight after losing the first one. More importantly, they'll get the break and the gap that they need. Are they happy? Now, John Perron's not, but I'll tell you, the Boston Bruins are a one happy bunch. Perry O'Reilly has whipped these guys into shape. And, you know, look, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record as saying this, Rick, too. I still think you guys got hosed there kind of losing a home game because of the lights going out against the Oilers. I always – I could never figure that out. Yeah. Why are they moving the game there? <laughs> so they ended up getting what? They got they got about uh, four out of five games at home because of that, right? Well, no, what would have happened uh... – if, if it had gone on, was that uh, Game 7 would have come back into Boston. Oh, okay. If, if the series went 7. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until a couple of years ago myself. Somebody was talking about it. They said, well, yeah, I never knew the that. rule was that if they had to leave Boston, go back to Edmonton. If the series went 7, we would have got the 7th game back in Boston. So. That almost could have worked. But that, that series wasn't going 7. They, yeah. they were such a powerhouse. Uh. We tried our best. We just couldn't match up uh, against them. Uh, they they reminded me a lot of those seventy Montreal teams. Yeah, um, you know that that were just so powerful offensively, and they didn't have a bad goalie either. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unreal. What a what a yeah. they were. Hey, you you look at that team though. The coach was Terry O'Reilly. So that that must have been kind of cool. That you know, here's a guy you were teammates with for so long, and now he's your coach as well. And and for you guys to after what you had gone through against Montreal, uh, obviously yeah. there's on there. To be able to do that together and, and, and to win that for him must have been really cool, huh? Oh, it really was. Him and I were the only two left from those 70s That's years right. uh, on the team. I was the only guy playing. He was the coach that would remember those those losses in the 77, 78, 79. So it was, you know, it was sweet when we won it. Um, I had hurt my uh, knee in game four. I blocked a shot, killing a penalty, and I, I, I went in and, and uh, ended up scoring on, on, a, on a breakaway, but it tore some of my cartilage. So I, the decision was, should I try to go like half speed? It was really sore, and I could hardly skate on it. Uh, you know, um, or you know, I probably could have wrapped it and, and still played and, and uh, tried to be a, of help or wait and rest it for a few days. And if we needed to come back in game six, be ready, uh, better ready for that one. So I didn't dress in game five. So I was sitting in the stands when it happened. Uh, and honest to God, when, when we were up, I think it was 3-1 with about three or four minutes to go, I was still nervous that something uh, was going to happen. <laughs> it's Montreal, you know? Yeah, the ghost and then of the when Cam, Cam Neely scored to make it go 4-1, I finally knew that we were finally going to beat him. And, uh, Neely trying to cut in. Hold on, gets it again. He's in. He scores! Cam Neely from Bob Sweeney makes it 4-1 on a breakaway with 15-54 left in the third period. The second goal of the night by Cam Neely. I was, I was so happy, as you can imagine, in the dressing room afterwards. I still remember it so clearly. And that, that goal you just referenced, Nifty, was that the, the shorty? Was that a shorthander? 
I, yeah, I think it was shorthanded. In yeah, four. I, yeah I, I went down and uh, whoever shot it, it hit my shin pad and kicked my knee back and tore a little bit of the, the cartilage uh, in my in my left knee. But uh, it was certainly worth it. <laughs> you know what I said? I, one thing I remember my grandfather actually telling me uh, back in those days and towards the end of your career, though, was how he always liked, and I remember it now, he always loved how you were able to adapt. You know, we, we see players now, I mean, today the game, Christ, it's so fast, and, you know, we're seeing the game get younger mm. and younger. But the way he always said, you look at Nifty now, and I'm talking, so he's referring to about 86, 87, and 87, 88, and we brought up that shorty, was you became more of a, a def- not that you weren't good defensively, but that became one of your biggest strengths, uh, being a defensive forward. Is that something you, you mentally said, you know, this is, this is a way I got to survive to bring that in? Well, no, not really. I was, again, uh, thrown into it. You okay. know, I had always been, A, first of all, a, an offensive player, someone that was d- depended on to hopefully score a goal at the right moment in the game or, you know, overtime or, or you know, and then uh, after uh, the seventies in the eighties, when uh, Jerry Cheevers was the coach, he um, I was kind of his go-to guy because of what Don Cherry had taught me in the seventies. He had total confidence to have me kill penalties and uh, be on the ice in the first minute, the last minute. You know, in the seventies, I would never have been there, and yeah. so I I kind of I kind of got my feet wet defensively uh in the era you know playing for for jerry and okay. towards the end of my career they they kind of especially in 88 they decided that it was time that i was going to be put out to pasture so for the first time in my you know 12 years there uh, almost they put me on the third line uh, defensive line i wasn't on the power play anymore i was killing penalties i was i was more of a, de- a defensive which they, they had confidence, thank goodness, in me that I yeah. could just play that role if uh, need be. And what made me proud, uh, that I only got, I think, like 14 goals that year. I was playing on the line with Billy O'Dwyer and can't remember who the other winger was. We, our job was to kill penalties and, and try to shut down the offensive teams and uh, lines. And we ended up, I think, plus three that year. So to be on a, on a checking line and still end up plus uh, is uh, – something I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, so I never had, I never had a negative year in Boston. That's uh, awesome. Always a, a plus year. And, uh, but that was, that was a sign, uh, you know, all year long that uh, I, I may be uh, not around the following year, but I thought I had a pretty good playoff that, that might, you know, I, I still had an option year to go and I was uh, only 12 points from a thousand, uh, but Harry decided to, buy me out of my option year, uh, even though he had to pay me two thirds. Uh-huh. And uh, that was it. It was all over. But yeah, that last year, I really changed over to more of a, a defensive uh, role with the team. But you still chipped in with uh, with 10 points, five goals, five assists and 19 games in the playoffs. So, Oh, know. in the playoffs. Yeah. They, they didn't even start me in the playoffs. I think they started against Buffalo and, and I, I think we were either tied or down a game when they put me in uh-huh. I had a good game five back in Boston. It was I still see the highlight of the goal, short another short-handed goal, where Kenny Linson passed it up to me and I beat Housley and and scored the goal. And we ended up winning that that game and going on to win the series and obviously the rest of the series except the final one. 
Yeah, that's good stuff. Before I let you go, you know, and I, I think one of the things I'm sure will happen, uh, but I'd love to get one quickie here. You know, whenever they get mm -hmm. these numbers retired, a lot of the old, older players will come back and the, your former teammates will be there. And I always thought one of the mm. greatest things was a couple times because of our aforementioned uh, mutual friend, Russ Conway. I ended up in a, in a pub with, you know, some players uh, like yourself and other players. And I'm just sitting there like a fly in a wall listening to the stories. That's going right. to be something I'm sure you're really excited about, right? Because anytime you talk to a player, it's in any sport, I, I think the thing you guys miss most, right, is just being around the guys, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been very lucky to, to be uh, the last 10 years uh, the president of the Boston Bruins alumni, and I've been playing uh, with them since the early 90s. Uh, so I really don't lack uh, any oh, that's uh, great. Uh, miss, missing any of the, the yeah. locker room stories. <laughs> you know. But um, but it isn't always with the guys that you played with. I mean, a lot of the guys are younger, that, and, and it's really fun to play with the guys that in different eras. Right. But uh, when we had the 11-20 goal scorer reunion in February, it was great to see some of those guys that I had played with in the 70s because it happened in – since 1978, that's when we had it. So, uh, like, uh, Greg Shepard, I hadn't seen in 40 years. Oh, wow. Shepard. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, the story started getting going that uh, uh, that night, and we had a lot of, a lot of fun uh, comparing what you know, the memories, because a lot of the memory is slipping a little right now. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah, it's happening for me, and too. Pete, Don't <laughs> my roommate, uh, my roommate for my eight, first eight years in Boston uh, was Peter McNabb from 1976 to 84, and so he came uh, to that. And I'm hoping he's going to be able to make um, this in November. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've been able to uh, get some of the stories going over the last few years. And it, it, you're right; it is it is what makes the game special. If you talk to any athlete in any sport, it's the friendships that you make and the memories. No, so who? Tell us quick. Who who was one of the biggest characters you ever played with, or or it could be a coach that you ever came across in your career. <laughs> you don't oh, have to boy. get deep into the stories, but just give us a little glimpse. <laughs> oh, we we had a lot of a lot of characters uh, over the years. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm trying to you know I, I talked to one of them today. Uh, I I called uh, LB on WAAF. How did I know he was uh, going to come up? <laughs> <laughs> but you know he wasn't the only character a guy by the name of john blum if you remember johnny oh, yeah. blum yeah. He, he was a real raw raw guy get the guys going in the dress room type of thing um you know i some some goalies uh marco baron was a character god i yeah. play with so many guys uh you know um i'm trying to think in new york too uh uh, Ronnie Greshner is, is uh, he, uh, my uh, the one guy that I really kept in contact from uh -huh. my Ranger days, and he's he's going to come up. I already called him. Oh, that's uh, he's great. Living in Connecticut, he's going to come up for the night. He was he was a character. So, I uh, you know if I kept thinking about it, I could probably list about twenty or thirty <laughs> guys. <laughs> but you know, all all great guys, and, and like I said, still keep in touch with them. That's yeah. the way it should be. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And yeah, look at John Plum. He was on that team. He was on that 88 team. There you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bruce Shoebottom, you know, right. plays on our alumni team. 
So Herm and I are good friends, and he scored that big goal in the Buffalo series. <laughs> That's right. Everybody <laughs> threw the shoes on me. Exactly. Yeah, the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting oh, yeah. there, and like, uh, yeah, I was, I was with him. I was with the grandfather, and he's sitting. He's going, "Are they throwing shoes on the ice?" And I, said, yep. no, I know, <laughs> I know. And and people saw people walking out. That. You saw people walking yeah. out with one shoe. It was hilarious. With one shoe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Boston yeah. fan. Yeah, and, and you know who's another character too? And I'm sure you probably you see him all the time with the alumni. Is uh, is Swoops. Good old Bob Sweeney. He's I, I always have fun. Oh, Bobby, yeah, with him. Yeah. Oh, great guy. Yeah, and we play. We, he's a great golfer too. We play golf every once in a while. And, and uh, the alumni and the foundation do a lot together. So you know, we're always uh, involved with one thing or the other. Yeah, he's doing yeah. a great job. Did you hear from Don Cherry at all? No, no, not yet. But he's he's on my list to uh, to uh, call. To, to yeah. invite. I know he was able to make it down for Terry's way back in 01. Yeah. And I'm hoping he can make it. It's not a Saturday, so he won't be on Hockey Night in Canada. But John's getting up there in age, too. But uh, I hope he can make it down. He's always a big advocate uh, of you. I'm sure you know that. I mean, he's he'll, he's pushed. Oh. I, I know we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but he's been one of those big guys saying, how the hell yeah. is Nifty not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, so, I know. I know. He keeps me alive on Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great. That's oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. It was, it was he, I mean, you was want to be on Don's good side. Let's yeah, exactly. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'll tell you quick. You know, Nifty, when I met him, was, uh, I want to say, uh, was one, it was a number retirement. I can't think of who it was, but he came down. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he's doing a little scrum with the media, right? You know, and I come in. And it was right around St. Patrick's okay. Day. So I had, I had my, uh, my annual green tie and my suit on that I, I'm a little like him. I like to have some fun with the suits. And I had a nice right. St. Patty suit on. He looks at me and he goes, somebody let the leprechaun through here so he can ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea that my name is James Patrick Murphy. So when I ever told him that, it was, it was hilarious. Oh, man. We had some fun. No, no. He's, he's uh, the king of the one-liners. For oh, sure. my gosh. What a character. He must yeah. have been an interesting coach. But listen, Nifty, I know you're I, busy. I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, if there was ever a job for, for a person, you know, you know if you, you find what you love to do yep. and then you, you do it for the rest of your life, what, what he does in Canada, he's the most recognized person in Canada. And, he, you know, you think he was a good hockey coach, but he really found his forte when he, when he got on TV. Oh, it's unreal. And, uh, it's hard for people to realize how big he really is in Canada. You, you don't know, right, until you're – if you're ever in a pub on a Saturday night – in Canada, yeah. and like them or hate them, everybody's paying attention. You know, like they, yeah. they turn oh, yeah. the volume up, and, and it goes. And you know, a lot of people I remember oh, being yeah. out a couple of times. They'll be like, "Oh, I'll get up to go to the bathroom," and I'm like, "What do you mean get up? Your grapes is coming on. What do you you know get up there?" You got you got to hear what he's gonna say. He's yeah. kind of like the Donald Trump of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I like him a lot better though right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, my we friend. Won't go there. Yeah, we won't go there. Let's keep it hockey, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, hey, maybe I'll see you. As I was telling you, I'll be up in the uh, in your area a lot. Maybe I'll see you up the beach, and maybe you, Russ, and I will grab a pint or two sometime soon. All right? Yeah, I look forward to it, Jimmy. All right, Nifty, I appreciate. It. Congratulations right. again, and hopefully the uh, the next yeah. one we're talking about is is the one in Toronto too. Well, that'll happen. Well, sometime. thank you so much. All right. One honor at a time is all I can stand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, Nifty, oh, have a good one, okay? 
All right, you too. All right. Take that's, care. Uh, newly retired number, number 16, going to the rafters. And that's the man right there, Rick Middleton, nifty, joining us here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm Jimmy Murphy. Have a good one.